0: Christina Stevenson, an attorney who has fought to protect workers' rights, is running for Oregon Labor Commissioner. That's the person who directs BOLI, the state's Bureau of Labor and Industries. Oregon's Labor Commissioner is responsible for enforcing wage and hour laws, protecting workers from discrimination on the job and in housing and public accommodations, and developing a skilled workforce through apprenticeships and other programs. For all of the important work that it does, BOLI, and that's B-O-L-I, BOLI, is perennially underfunded and understaffed and not really all that well known to a lot of Oregonians. Labor Commissioner is a nonpartisan position. Christina Stevenson is one of several candidates running in the May 17th election. If a candidate gets more than 50 percent of the vote in that election. They will be elected outright. Otherwise, the top two vote getters will run in the November general election. This conversation is being recorded on April 1st, 2022. Christina Stevenson, welcome to the Radical Songbook podcast.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
0: I really appreciate your taking the time. I know you're busy campaigning. Um, Can you – I said a little bit about BOLI. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about what uh, BOLI does and what the Labor Commissioner's responsibilities are?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the Bureau has a, a number of responsibilities, as you mentioned. So the first is to protect and defend the civil rights of Oregonians. So that is not only in the workplace, but in housing and in public spaces. And right now, just to kind of give you a sense of where the complaints are, about 6% of them are in the kind of housing area. The vast majority of the uh, complaints that come into BOLI are in the workplace arena. And then the other piece is uh, we enforce the wage and hour laws. So uh, things like rest breaks, meal breaks, overtime. There's also prevailing wage laws that regulate public Public works contracts, so Bully has a hand in that. And there's also a technical assistance division, so a division that employers can call up and get advice on the laws that regulate any of these areas. And finally, the apprenticeship division. Bully regulates apprenticeships and certifies free apprenticeships as well. So they are part of. Making sure that our that we've got a competitive workforce here in Oregon.
0: How many people are employed at Bowley right now?
1: There's about 130. We're at about less than half of where we were 40 years ago. The current commissioner Val Hoyle has been able to to increase that number, and that's why it's up in the 130 range. But still, it is. You know, well, obviously, Oregon has grown quite a bit in 40 years, and the the staffing has not grown at the same rate.
0: Can you let our listeners know what your own experience is in kind of the same areas that that Bowley is involved in as a as a civil rights attorney and uh, working both for individual workers and uh, in the legislation uh, area as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I got my first job when I was 14. Uh, you know, I would get all dressed up and go down to downtown Hillsboro from where we lived in the rural part of Washington County. I would file papers and answer phones. Uh, for my parents, small business. They had a small business in our community for 30 years. And I've been working ever since, you know, as a waitress, a cook, a laborer, and now as a civil rights attorney, as you say. Um, and so my day job is representing Workers that are getting a raw deal from employers who are not following the rules, and uh, we go up against Wall Street's biggest banks, you know, folks like Wells Fargo, and we win. And that's something I'm really proud of. And at the same time, I also own and operate a business, you know, a business where I pay my employees before I pay myself, and so I understand as both an attorney that mainly represents workers. And as a business owner, of where the gaps are, and where Bully can really be making them easier.
0: I read in the Northwest Labor Press that you have drafted pro-worker, uh, what I would call pro-worker legislation that has union support here in Oregon.
1: You know, it's true. I I got involved in the legislature just as a, you know, as a constituent. So this is back in about 2012 and my dad was, was passing away from cancer. And at that time I was really living paycheck to paycheck and I wanted to be there with my dad, you know, as a caregiver, as, as in his last days. And I was really like, you know, I, w- I was luckily entitled to some unpaid leave, but I was really guarding my time really closely because I could not afford to take very much time off. And then after my dad passed away, I remember getting, getting my paycheck and just being terrified, you know, that I I could not afford the amount of time I'd taken. And I saw my paycheck and it had four days of paid bereavement leave. And at that time it was, it was just an amazing thing. And what I learned later was, you know, this was something that was bargained in a union contract. That's why I was able to receive it. But it was something that most people did not receive. And not only did they not receive any kind of paid bereavement leave, their, their boss could actually fire them. Uh, that was the law at the time. You could get fired the second that you're, the person that you're caring for passes away. And I just thought, this is not the Oregon that I think that we should be living in. You know, so I kind of rallied my grief group, my grief support group. We showed up in Salem and we got it done. You know, we added protection for bereavement leave to the Oregon Family Medical Leave Act. And since that time, I've I've been just volunteering. I mean, this is what I do in my free time just for fun is <laughs> – Trying, you know, just trying to help help us make uh, kind of the, the Oregon that I I think that we all want, which is one where workers are treated with dignity and respect. So these are pretty common sense things that that I'm working on. You know, pregnancy accommodations, um, the Workplace Fairness Act, making sure that when when someone files an OSHA complaint and is retaliated against, that people can be held accountable for that. So my aim is always to make sure that we have the workplaces that I I think we all desire, safe workplaces where people are not discriminated against.
0: Yeah, and you've worked on policies about reporting discrimination and, and also sexual assault in the workplace?
1: Right, exactly. In my experience, unfortunately, the sexual harassment and sexual assault in the workplace is still quite rampant. And one of the aims of the Oregon Workplace Fairness Act was to root out that sort of discrimination. And actually, not only sex discrimination, but race discrimination, discrimination based on any protected characteristic to make it easier to hold folks accountable and and to take away A way to kind of keep perpetrators in these positions, which is with these non-disclosure agreements where someone files a complaint, it's substantiated, but they're given sort of a gag order. And so nobody knows until years later, if someone doesn't sign these gag orders, that this person is a serial perpetrator. And so having that transparency, I think, can really be an effective way of making sure that folks aren't in the position of, I mean, even our employers, they don't want to hire a serial perpetrator either. So having that transparency is an important piece. One of the things that we did in the Oregon Workplace Fairness Act is we not only made it so that that victims would be the ones who would be able to make that choice, you know, if they wanted to keep it confidential. But employers, you know, had kind of come and said, well, we've got these agreements that we have with these executives, for example, and we would love to fire them, but then we're going to have to pay them a million dollars based on these agreements. And so we gave those employers a tool in this to, to avoid those agreements when, sexual assault, uh, sexual harassment has been substantiated.
0: I'm speaking with Christina Stevenson, who is a candidate for the nonpartisan position of State Labor Commissioner here in Oregon. Her name will be on the May 17th ballot. So according to the Northwest Labor Press, and this is one of the things that really attracted my attention to your campaign, is that uh, you had you had actually developed a list of the things that you wanted boley to do even before you decided that you were going to run for labor commissioner so you you've been giving it some thought and i was i was very impressed with that because my own experience uh i used to be the organizer for central oregon jobs with justice over here in bend and i would occasionally have to contact boley on on behalf of local workers who needed help and i often got got the sense that uh, people at BOLI were really understaffed and, and uh, really stressed out. And so your to-do list, what's on your to-do list for BOLI?
1: <laughs> well, gosh, I would say it's, it's getting longer the more I, you know, the more conversations I have. And it started out, you know, with really, really simple things like, you know, could we have a little bit less paper? <laughs> I they send us, you know, 12 pieces of paper for uh, everything that we do over there, uh, as I think a lot of government agencies do. I, it would be amazing someday to graduate to text messages. Just thinking about some of some of our employers, you know, maybe you're out on the job side or workers, too. It'd be amazing to be able to communicate with people in a way that they actually use. There's a number of things and, and one of them that I really want us to be working on is strategic enforcement. And this is an initiative that has just started under Val's leadership and something that I want to have us be focusing on because it's a model that comes out of Rutgers University and it's been kind of piloted in a couple of different places. but it, contemplates the situation that we actually have right now, which is limited resources. So instead of just saying, well, gosh, we have, we can't do anything because we are totally understaffed. It starts from that proposition and then has us using our tools better. So for example, right now, bully hasn't gone after wage and hour penalties. So, generally if somebody is is not paid their overtime they'll definitely seek those back wages but in only about 16% of the cases and you the I think it was the 2013-2019 period only about 16% of those cases where there was an actual violation found penalties were assessed and then only about 1% of the cases in where a penalty was assessed, was it actually paid? So to me, that's a place where there's room for improvement and using all of the tools in in Bully's toolbox to make sure that we are holding folks accountable. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, employers who are doing the right thing, they're at a competitive disadvantage to employers whose business model is wage theft. And we can't have that in Oregon.
0: Basically, BOLI is funded through state legislature, right?
1: It is. You know, there are, are pieces that are self-funded. So, it, for example, the technical assistance program is largely self-funded through uh, some of the seminars and materials that that are available to employers. But I, I do think that a real investment is what's needed. And we also are going to be getting a historic one-time investment from the Future Ready Oregon Act that passed and in our apprenticeship division. So a little over $18 million going to that. So I think that that will be an exciting place for us to be working, especially where we've got you know these workforce shortages, uh, you know, kind of the great resignation going on, getting people's skills leveled up is going to be an incredibly important thing for us to be doing. But, you know, you're right. We, we are going to have to be going to the legislature and making the case that we want to invest in having the, the sort of Oregon that we all want, which is a place that's free of discrimination, free free of wage theft. And I
0: was looking at your website uh, and remind, remind our listeners, what is your campaign website? How can they... Um how can they learn more about about your campaign?
1: Yeah, the website is Christina with a ch, Stevenson with a pH dot com. And that will also link you to the Facebook and I think the Instagram, all the different ways you can look us up on Twitter as well.
0: Listener, if you go under endorsements, You're going to see an impressive list of almost every union in Oregon, uh, it appears, has has, uh, endorsed your campaign. And you also have a large number of elected officials and former elected officials, including several former and the outgoing labor commissioners. How's that feel? I mean, it's just like a lot of people are counting on you.
1: (laughs) Well, it has been really humbling to see the support, and I'm really grateful for it. Having, especially the last five commissioners, I, it was important to me to hear from them and get their get their advice and and their support is going to be really helpful in, in actually doing the job, right? But also, these these are partnerships that I hope will continue through my work at BOLI. I'm going to be looking to folks in every industry. I mean, many hands make slight work, and we've got a lot of work to do.
0: You have an event coming up here in Bend on April 14th. Can you talk a bit about that event?
1: Yes, it's April 14th at the Haven, which is a wonderful co-working space, if if folks are familiar with it, and we will be there. Five thirty and hope to you know the more the merrier, so bring a friend.
0: I'll post information about that event under this this conversation um, on the uh, podcast website. I always like to ask my guests if there's anything that I should have asked you and I didn't uh, there's anything uh, that anything else that you want to add that that uh, that I didn't didn't we didn't get around to covering or anything else. That really, that you want to, you want to say um, about your campaign and to our listeners?
1: Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. One of the things that I just really want people to be thinking about with bully. I mean, you, you mentioned this, that folks don't know about bully that much. And so, I, of course, I want people to be thinking about us when they have been discriminated against on the job in public accommodations or in housing, had their wages fill in. But the other piece where I really want folks to be thinking about us is when they're experiencing workforce issues, because this is the time where we have an incredible opportunity to be developing the pathways that our kiddos really need. So expanding and strengthening our partnerships with K-12, for example, where we're working, you know, getting kids into career technical education paths starting in middle school, so they're then kind of ushered into the, the pre-apprenticeship programs that they can do when they're 16, 17, and have a seamless path into apprenticeship programs that are really a fantastic way to get into a family wage job. and. We see that it's a way to also diversify our workforce. And it's really, it's not a surprise where we're going to need folks. You know, we're going to need folks in healthcare and education and manufacturing. And so let's build it and let's make sure that we're providing the childcare, the transportation, you know, the tools, setting people up for success so that they can contribute to our workforce and ease some of these workforce crises. That's what I'm hoping to do at Bowley.
0: Thanks so much, Christina Stevenson, for joining me today.
1: Thanks. I really appreciate it.